Hi, Smarties. Today is the partner episode to episode 71, which is titled The Secret to Increasing Reading Comprehension. We'll link episode 71 in the show notes for this episode. During that episode, we talked about the biggest secret of reading comprehension, writing in the book. Be sure to go back and listen to that episode to see how we came to that conclusion. In today's partner episode, we talk about what to write in the book. These tips and tricks will definitely work towards your goal of increasing reading comprehension in your learner. As always, Smarties, make sure to only try one new thing at a time. Additionally, we're both accepting new clients in our practices. This is Steph, my practice in Redondo Beach, my ed therapist, and Rachel's practice in Beverly Hills, CAP Educational Therapy Group. And if you're interested in working with us and our teams, the best way to do that is by signing up for a phone call on our individual websites, which are also linked in the show notes as always. Now, on to increasing reading comprehension. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 74 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. Well, Steph, we've had a morning. It's a morning. It's a Monday morning in August, and I was having some calendaring issues. Yeah. And we just spent an hour before this episode, kind of before hitting record for this episode, kind of workshopping it. Yeah. Sharing our screens back and forth. (laughs) Yeah. And I've been hacking up a lung. And Steph is still sick. (laughs) So she's been sick for probably last three weeks. Yeah. I think it's almost a month. But you look great. And that's really what matters, Steph. Thanks for that. I can see you and you look beautiful. Thanks for that. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm working it out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So if it sounds like I have a frog in my throat, it's because I do. You do. But there's something amazing about when you've hit record to record while you've had this cough, which is you don't cough during the episode. And the second we're like, okay, we're done, (laughs) coughing up a lung. (laughs) I don't know what happens. It's like adrenaline that kicks in when we're recording. Yeah. And I'm holding it in. Yeah. And then the second we're done, it's like... (laughs) Back to coughing. Back to coughing. So second part episode, what to actually write in the book. So we've done other episodes on reading comp, which we will link in the show notes as well. But we wanted to go a little further into detail. When we're talking about writing in the book, we are never talking about writing full sentences. This is actually a really great time to kind of teach your learner about what significant words are versus insignificant words. Mm -hmm. So an insignificant word is the, is, a, and, or. Yeah, but for and, you can write like a little plus symbol. Yeah, but you know what? I noticed that some of them don't know what that is or how to write it. You're right. I just had that issue last week. And we're not writing like the ampersand. Yeah. It's not like the fancy one on the computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to say that's an and. Yeah, I know. I've had to do it recently, too, which I thought was funny. They just don't know. I know. Or like BC for because. They don't know that either. I mean, all the shortcuts. Like, I encourage students to draw arrows sometimes, which means leads to. Yeah. Or comes next. And that's confusing. Draw an up or a down arrow. But you know why? Because this Mm. is a technology generation, right? And they're not writing as much as we wrote. I guess you wouldn't have the shorthand of an arrow on an iPhone. No, because that's more work. To go find it. Right. Yeah. It's one of the things that you've taught me is to have learners figure out how would you write something as a caption. Yeah. That's a really good summarization 
technique. Yeah. But it's a good opportunity because that works on note taking simultaneously in addition to reading comp. Yeah. So the other thing that goes along with you drawing arrows and whatnot is sometimes I'm just literally for the kids that really struggle with writing and knowing what to write and writing too much is literally making an old school symbol and key, making that in the front of the book so they can decide what it is that makes sense to them. Some kids will put like a heart or a star because that's easy, but some kids get really creative and want to put like a tree if it's a setting or whatever. And then if they put that and just draw that little symbol, then they know right there and they don't have to include any other information. And some kids, this is a relief. This is where it really comes in handy to really know your learner smarties because not every kid is going to be a great candidate for this type of strategy. Mm-hmm. The starting and the stopping can be difficult for some learners. But if you have a kid whose EF is developmentally appropriate and grade level appropriate, this is something that they're usually able to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, some kids don't like to make up the symbol or don't want to draw and that might not be a good strategy, but some kids writing is the trouble. And so making a symbol is much easier. So it just depends on what they need. So that's why I agree. You got to know your learner. No, this is why we also talk about only doing one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. I just had a student that I was working with in the fourth grade And she was very resistant. I can't remember if I talked about this on the last episode, but she was very resistant to like the higher level questions. Mm -hmm. And I kept adding in one strategy at a time. Mm -hmm. And it still wasn't, she was still avoiding it. She still wasn't liking it. And finally, we added in like the fourth or fifth strategy. All the pieces clicked together. And she's like, oh, Rachel, this is so much fun now. Oh, I love that. It's just about finding that piece, but I would not have been able to figure out what that trigger would have been with her had we not done it one at a time. Yeah, I like it. That's a really good idea. I'm into it. One thing at a time. Try this. Don't like it? Okay, let's add this into it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I usually do. It's usually adding and kind of building the strategies up Mm -hmm. as opposed to taking the strategy away. I wouldn't necessarily stop something. I would just keep going. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So we also talked about in episode 71 how important it is to know the narrative in advance. This isn't necessarily about writing in the book, but it makes reading comprehension easier if you know what the story is. If you go back and listen to that episode, Steph and I had a whole conversation about how reading for school isn't generally about pleasure. Mm -hmm. And we will better serve our learners if we stop setting that expectation that they should be enjoying the book. It's true. They're probably not going to be enjoying the book. Doesn't mean they're not going to do it. Yeah. But I think we better serve them by giving them permission to understand the narrative. That's really the point. It just makes me think about high school and all the books that I hated. There was exactly one book that I liked in high school. Which was? Weathering Heights. Oh, I didn't have to read that. I was thinking of like Death of a Salesman. Yeah. And... Just how miserable that was. You know, another one that I really liked, but I read it in middle school. But it was like one of those books that made me hysterically cry. Hmm. Flowers for Algernon. Did you ever read that? Mm Mm-mm. Okay. Do you know what it's about? Mm Mm-mm. It's about a man who has limited intellectual skills. Oh. And it's written in that perspective, in that voice of kind of very developmentally delayed. And I can't quite remember all the details, but he goes through an experiment and you see in the writing how his intelligence increases. It 
increases in the writing Mm -hmm. and then whatever the experiment was stops working at a certain point so it's like it goes to this really elevated place with the writing and then goes back to being simple and Hmm. could not stop crying Hmm. in that book i was really touched by it it was one of the first times i had had an experience with an author that literally the way it was written the word choice all those kinds of things that we want higher level readers to kind of pay attention to diction Mm -hmm. all that stuff was really really well exemplified in that book yeah it spoke to you it really touched my soul my mom remembers when I finished that book because she oh, was really? like, yeah, because I was crying. Aw. I mean, I've had that experience with many a book, but what is everybody reading right now, by the way? <laughs> Need some new books. <laughs> anyway, so knowing the narrative in advance. Yeah. The next thing is answering the key questions. So there's a couple ways to do this. There's the W's, which you've heard us talk about before. So the who, what, where, when, why, sometimes. Maybe sometimes why and how. Maybe. Yep. And the other way is that a lot of teachers are using is somebody wanted, but so then. And I've had a couple of kids who I've asked them which one speaks to them more. Mm -hmm. And some have chosen one over the other, which is Mm -hmm. interesting. But just having a spot to write in those things in the book after a chapter or after a couple of chapters or whatever. And it's predictable. It's predictable. You know, these are the questions we're going to answer. And, you know, at the same time, they're also choosing. If you do somebody wanted, but so then, they're choosing the significant moment in the book. It's not all of the moments. And it's very interesting to see what they choose as the important thing. Yep. It's usually something they had a deeper level of connection to, which is great. Uh Uh-huh. To talk about the somebody wanted but so then strategy, because we've never talked about it on the podcast. So you're literally breaking it down. Each word they have to respond to. So somebody. So we're basically asking, that's the who. Wanted. What did they want? But then what happened? So. And then is the final resolution. So somebody wanted but so then. Yeah. It's sort of like the. Oh, the story arc. Yeah, the story arc. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Like when you rise. The conflict, the resolution. Yeah. 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 Rising action. Yeah, exactly. Climax. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing is sometimes I've had kids write a paragraph. I call it a blog because they don't know what journaling is. (laughs) Right? I'm not wrong on that. No. And making connections to your own life. So I've talked about this one client of mine, and we've been working on post-its, and we're on book five of Trapped in a Video Game at this point. And he's been doing post-its every chapter for the last four books. Wow. And now we're on writing a paragraph. So when you're saying, just so we can be clear, because we're not assuming everybody's listened to every episode, but you guys really should. Yeah. Hang out for 74 hours with us. But (laughs) (laughs) when we're talking about the post-its, that means Steph has prepped or the student has prepped the post-its with either the W's or somebody wanted so then, but so then. We've made progress through the books. So it's making a connection. How does the character feel? Making a prediction. What would you ask the author? Things like that. And now he's at writing a paragraph. And I've given him a couple of options about what to write. But he can make a connection with his own life. It's basically like he's writing a little paragraph blog about whatever he wants to talk about in that chapter. But now at this point, it's not necessarily the content as it is 
the writing at this point. So he's got to have all of the right punctuation and all of that. The mechanics of writing. Yeah, it's the mechanics of writing. So it's been a really great process to see as he's grown throughout five books. This is like a great example of educational therapy because I think when you were starting, it was about engaging him with a book Mm -hmm. and understanding what he had read. Mm -hmm. And now you've gotten him to that point. It took four books, but I know he's into these books. Yeah, he's very into them. How old is the learner? He's in fifth grade now. You've gotten him to the point where he knows what to seek out when information is important and how to retain it. Mm-hmm. And now you're moving to the next level of written responses towards it. Mm-hmm. That he gets to choose. And then eventually it will be I'm choosing what he's going to write about. There you go. So one step at a time. Yep. Because we have to go from preferred with mm-hmm. a lot of students to non-preferred. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got you, Steph. One yep. mind. Yep. One mind. Yep. Yep. All right. Another great strategy that we like to have learners write in books is a summary or just the main ideas. Again, I think the easiest way to kind of think about the summary and the main ideas is by encouraging kids to write like a social media caption on it. And if you're working through it and your kids know the W's, Mm -hmm. then you can talk about summaries and main ideas. One of the biggest things that I've found is that they don't know what the difference is. How do you explain it? So summary is basically the step-by-step of what happened in whatever they're reading. Mm -hmm. And the main idea is the gist. So a lot of times some of them will take the summary and this is when I do the now let's do it in one less sentence and make it more compact with more of a punch. I don't need to know that the kid was wearing a blue t-shirt and his friend was wearing a green t-shirt. That doesn't affect the story. So I have a couple of different books and things that I use to work on helping them really understand because why is the main idea important? That's going to help them with their writing later. I'm glad that you brought up taking away a sentence at a time because I know I have a session later today and I'm like, that would be perfect. Steph and I, when we were planning this episode, we were like, we're pretty sure we've talked about a lot of this stuff on other episodes. But the reason we are synthesizing it in this way is because it's a little more honed in and focused, but also it's good to hear things multiple times and compare it to a year ago when we recorded an episode versus now we've added, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like just having a list all in one spot. <laughs> here are the strategies. Use them here. <laughs> but only one strategy at a time. Yeah, yeah. I think you wrote this next one. Do you want to talk about it? Because we've never talked about it. Yeah, I do this actually pretty often now, um, which is if you could ask the author a question or how do you imagine the author would answer this question? And it really is just taking their critical thinking to the next place and thinking about writing as a whole and why a story is the way it is. So it's very fascinating to hear the kinds of things, depending on their age, that they would ask the author, why did you name that character that? Or why did you decide that these people were friends or that was their mission or whatever it was? And then talking about why they think that the author did something. How they think the author would answer. Yeah. Or like why they think that the author did it. I mean, that's interesting too. So this just ties in with thinking a little bit outside of your experience and just being a little bit more global. It's really a smart strategy because what you're really doing is disconnecting the voice of the story Mm -hmm. with the author's purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're separating that out for the learner. You know, I remember when I was young, I used to think this was the voice of the author. 
not the voice of a character. So it's really good to think about. I agree with you. And this is the precursor to tone and mood and all of that. Yep. Which is giving me AP language flashbacks. Yeah. Thinking about it. But let's move on. Yeah. (laughs) So this is a strategy that we've talked about in many, many episodes, which is fantastic for a lot of learners because they enjoy being the teacher. So Steph has always said to have learners pretend that they're the teacher and write the questions that they would ask their students about that chapter or that book. I love this. And the kids always love this. I've had learners who are not in the same class or even the same school, but happen to be reading the same book that write questions for each other. Oh, that's such a good idea. They have to be in separate schools. I've also done this with like pairing students up with kids who need to write more. Yeah. And like adding on to a story. Um, So you want to get kids of similar ability. Yeah. And interests. And they share a Google Doc and... One student adds in each session, and they build the story out together. And they create conflict for the other one to resolve and then create a new conflict. That's just a fun one. Yeah, it is a fun one. I think however we can get them engaged with stories, the better. That's your strategy, guys. So, Smarties, be sure to join us on Thursday October the 3rd Mm. in our Facebook group, the Smarties of the Learn Smarter podcast, which of course is linked in the show notes of this episode as well. Mm -hmm. Steph and I will be doing our monthly office hours live Mm -hmm. um, at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So come hang out with us then. Yeah. Can't wait to see you there. All right, Smarties, let us know which strategy you're going to get started with and have a great week. Have a great week.